Polar Star Podcast. going on i'm murph this is top tree state a show that highlights the people behind the businesses of maine's cannabis industry we're here in the polar star podcast studio in south portland maine um here in studio with my good friend lee nason what's up lee hey what's up murph not much man just uh you know excited for this episode tonight this is with the veer kudo of last frontier and uh devere's a good friend of mine uh, he grows great weed, and um, we had a great talk about um, efficiency, I think, was the big thing that I got out of this. What did you think of this episode? Yeah, so we've known DeVere for a while. You know, he was a good friend of a friend, and yeah. and we got to meet him, hang out at his house, and, and so we got to know him while he was starting this company. Yeah, we got to see his progression. Yeah, he's always had a real passion for making, for growing great product. Very true, very yeah. true. So without any further delay, here's Devere Kudo of Last Frontier. Before we get to the interview, I wanted to let you know that we are brought to you by Polar Star Podcasts, bringing you community conversations by highlighting the people, ideas, and industries that make Maine so unique. Please visit PolarStarPodcasts.com and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor or creating a show of your own, email polarstarpodcast at gmail.com or reach out through the website. Again, that's polarstarpodcast.com. Welcome to Top Tree State. I'm Murph, and I'm here with Devere Kudo of... Last Frontier. Last Frontier. Yes. Thank you. How you doing? Good, you? Dude, I'm doing great. I appreciate you coming in today. Oh, no, thanks for having me. Um, so, how'd you... Uh, Let's start at the very beginning. How did you first get in, in, interested in cannabis? Okay, so I would say the first memory I have of cannabis and smoking it would probably be my grandmother smoked. Yeah. And I mean, she didn't really smoke around us, but she I could definitely remember she had a, like a massage chair, a little reclining massage chair. It had like different compartments in it. And she definitely was like her stash bot. And she would smoke. She had like a little metal pipe. She'd yeah. She'd sit there and smoke. Those classic little metal pipes. Yes, yes, definitely. The one-hitters. Um, it was definitely the, the, I can remember the branding. Like I was, like I was saying earlier, it was a guy in, um, idle hands, classic stoner movie from our time there. Yeah. He would, he would rock that, that company logo. I mean, there, that was the hit. Yeah. There wasn't even, you wouldn't even think of glass back then. So right. that'd be like the late nineties, um, going into two thousands. I mean, she didn't really like smoke in front of us, but I could still like, as soon as I knew what that smell was, mm-hmm. I could look back and be like, oh yeah, she puffed off. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like awesome. Granny was getting it. Um, and then from there, I think the first time I started smoking was around 2004, was about 16. And I didn't really smoke too much, but then around my senior year, I, go, I, went, I was all out. Yeah. And I got to say, I was always kind of like intrigued and super into it. Like, I just remember always reading High Times when I was, I would get in trouble for having High Times in high school. Nice. And, you know, just reading it. And that was, like, at the time where the big thing was, like, do your own, do DIY hydroponic setup. Right. And they'd have, like, the little totes where you would cut in little holes 
and hang it with like an airstone inside like a tote you'd buy from like Home Depot. Yeah, I remember and, the and, hydroponics yeah. was a big thing. Yeah, that was when hydroponics was king. Yeah. So it was like, you can grow your own hydroponic, grow the best weed ever hydroponically. Yeah. So then about... The la- so did you get one of those kits? No, no. It's, that the, was just your, your as, dream. As for all this, the grow stuff I've built and messed up building or succeeded in a building, at the time that seemed so advanced to you me. Think I couldn't eight, wrap eight, my... 18 year old you looking at you now. This had to be, be about like, like damn. 16. Yeah, yeah. 15, 16. I'm yeah. looking at it and I thought I could never understand this. This was yeah. like, it was like somebody could might as well gave me like the, blue, the blueprints to like build a spaceship at yeah, the time. Yeah. I'd be like, now that'd be nothing. I would like, I would laugh at you if I walked <laughs> to your house and show you that. Again, hey, if that's how you got to grow weed for yourself, that's yeah. fine. No, right. But um, <laughs> teaches their own, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I, growing up originally, I guess you'd say more of the time was more of a culture. Now they say it's more of an industry, for sure. But um, I think more of the time was more a culture than anything. So I'm coming from you know upstate New York, heavy influence early off my late teens. It was you know weed coming in from Canada, yeah, BC bud, Beasters. you know sour diesel, yeah. Stuff you'd probably get from upstate New York or something like that. That was more of like the influence of the culture, the underground scene, whatever you want to label at that time. Right. So. I mean, yeah, this industry is built on something. It's not like one yeah, day. Yeah, you just, wouldn't think, you wouldn't you say know. industry. It was, you know, culture. It was a culture, yeah. And like you really had like, I mean, life was simple then. If you smoked weed. And like even just having like a high time subscription was like a part Day, being yeah. a part of the culture. Yeah, it would have know? to be, you know, you couldn't have that in your bill on your credit card. And yeah. it came like in that thick plastic screen. Like <laughs> yeah. it was like almost like you were buying a porno mag or something. Like right. I think it was it's more it was like more as, accepted. As as, yeah. Bad. Yeah. yeah. It's like you couldn't get a hustler, but if that's a high Taboo, time, you're yeah. a dirtbag. Right. But uh for sure. So definitely um man at the time I gotta say some of the best Best we'd ever bought was out of Vermont. Really? Uh, Outdoors or indoor? indoor? It was strawberry cough. I couldn't tell you how much money I spent on it at the time, but (laughs) I just remember being so blown away by it. Yeah. Like now, it was probably still good weed for its time. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was probably the best weed I've seen for for a long time. It had to be until like the the late two thousands. I love like you know just hearing those. Old school strain names. Yeah, I remember you it. Know, yeah. When there was like a very few strain names. And yeah. It's just like, you know, Strawberry it's Cough, like, Northern yeah. Lights. OG like, Kush. OG Kush. Yeah, Sour Diesel. Sour like, Diesel. Oh, wow. This, you have Sour Diesel? And yeah. then anything that smelled like a skunk was Sour Diesel. Right. So that's definitely the heavy influence of the time in the region. Yeah. So, Have you seen any strains like, uh, what, what do you like nowadays for strains that, that like go back Towards uh, that the lineage of that, time. I would say like I still love chem dogs. Yeah, um, but that's kind of like everything is so bred and interbred into new stuff. Yeah, that I know it's so so it's like overbred, but it's also great. It's in a it's, way you it's know it's great cool. For, it, well, if it came in two stages for me, first stage was like it was great as a smoker to try variety, right? And now as a grower, I like it because I like the challenge of growing something new. Yeah, and it's not so much as of having something that somebody else has because two people can take the same genetic and not grow it. It will be, it will have the same keynotes that I like it, but someone could right. excel at getting it to unlock potential. A and lot if, more. even if you had like a. It's all even in like what you use like for soil and what you water with yeah, nutrients oh, will yeah. change completely. In even if you got like the, a seed from the same plant, two yeah. seeds from the same plant, you know, it's you could definitely have different phenols from yeah. that same plant. Well, true, up, yeah, yeah, and controlled for yeah. sure. I tell a lot of people when they ask me, I said the environment of your grow room. 
could change a lot more for you than you yeah. think. The lighting. Well, everything could play a key note into it, but I think one of the most overlooked things for a professional grower and a recreational grower, somebody that's growing personally, is just the environment of the room. Right. What? And how do you feel about people playing music for their plants? You know, honestly, I, I've been, I've, I've wanted to install speakers in my garage. Dude, give it a shot. If I don't you think, think it would heat it though. It gets so loud in there. Really, with the fans, the dehumidifiers, blast some classical. I would, I would definitely, I would definitely put some. See if you get yeah, Spotify yield increases. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll do one Spotify playlist, and then I'll do like an old uh, reggaeton dub stu- <laughs> dub stuff from like the seventies, eighties in the other room, and we'll see what happens. Right. But um, that would be a a cool project. No, it's funny. Play like thrash metal in one yeah <laughs> I, I could say when i first started growing um in maine in a basement girl i used to always play hip-hop really and it was some of the best runs i ever had is like the slow small rooms yeah and i always wondered it was like man i'm always in here playing hip-hop or it's because everyone's in a good mood yeah you're, you're it's like am i just putting this energy <laughs> off or what yeah i remember when i first started going and living out on the west coast and being on like the Grateful Dead scene somewhat out there with a lot of people that I met through either Grateful Dead concerts, further yeah. shows, fish shows, stuff like that, the scene out there, that there used to be a Phil Lesh album. I wish I could remember what it was that eh, you'd meet. They'd be like, oh, yeah, bro. They're like, I play this, like, <laughs> Phil Lesh, something, something in the bass solos. <laughs> I get the best yields off this, and I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like "Man, that's Phil." I was like, I was like "You got to be a dedicated." Just like all the eyes of the world's lives. <laughs> yeah, I play every dark star. Yeah, ever played for the first three weeks. I love it. But yeah, I'd be like, "Damn, you, you're a solid deadhead." If you could listen to that same Phil Lesh album that right. many times alone as it is, so maybe like you're that patient. You're just a good grower. But no, I've thought about it. I don't know if they'd hear it though. But I think it'd still be cool to work in there. Yeah, and listen and hear some classical music or something going off. Yeah. Well, everything else has so much to do with it, like the lights and stuff. Do you- uh, there's well on top of on on almost like a side note of the music. A lot of people will try going through moon cycles. Really? Yes. There's definitely. Um, even for indoors, where the indoors, outdoors, growing in general, yeah, there's yeah. people that strive to get their 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 um, indoor schedules what on a would moon be schedule. The, what would be the ideal like scheduling there? Like you're like cutting down on you're trying to like cut down like when there's a no moon or a new moon. Like you're trying mm. to cut down and have another one through the cycle of the moon. Yeah, or you're doing like yeah. Yeah, this is all new to me. I just That's listened crazy. to a podcast. The other you want to hear like, a crazy summer. thing that I heard about was that um, in. I think it was like South Korea or somewhere. They were doing their growing marijuana with piss, watering it with piss, and then okay. then they're like um, figuring out what they're eating to, to to see what yeah. is the like pH and out and like the what's what's what am I looking for like the like mineral stuff that yeah in what's your in there what your body's processing the, to go the, out yeah. <laughs> the, Damn, and I that's mean, like a whole like subculture of it is of like we have like you know the the tea like the compost tea compost brewers. teas. Yeah, they have compost peas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I remember they're always thinking like, oh yeah, you could use urine. It's got like heavy potassium in it. Yeah, or something like that. I I don't know exactly what it was. No, I've I've never heard that. I I don't know if it's true or not. But I remember years ago. Oh, I don't know if that's true either. I, I never on Instagram. This isn't a news show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't fact check this isn't this is we do definitely yeah. not this isn't fact check. Yeah, yeah you got do that on your own it was all through the grapevine yeah right here. well i remember years ago there was an instagram joke they were calling it moon moon juice or something it was period blood 
So what was the point of that? I, I guess like to water plants. With yeah, it was like a, it, was, it was like a flower <laughs> additive or something like that. Oh like it God. was like it was just that it was that rich and good stuff. I guess like all right, moon. Yeah, but anyways, on the on a, on a less disgusting topic. <laughs> Real worry. So yeah. Um. So uh, yeah. So what? Where is Lost Frontier? Last Frontier. Last Frontier. Sorry. Last Frontier sounds good too. That's like more of a like a dinosaur movie to me. Yeah. Well, when I tell people Last Frontier, they're like, "Isn't that Star Trek?" And I'm like, "No, I don't think that's Star Trek. I don't think." I that's... think Star Trek was the first Frontier. Yeah, the wasn't final it? Frontier. The final. Frontier. Yeah, I'm not even a big Star Rambo, Trek Rambo first Frontier. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, I came up with that name not too long ago. Yeah. My original name was Fenario. I like Fenario. But then there was, like, no offense to whoever has any other, but there was, like, so many other Dead caregiver LLCs and set companies that had Fenario. There was, like, Fenario Farms and Farms mm. of Fenario. And I saw another one at a sticker one time in Portland, and I said, I was like, man, I'm, like, nobody's going to ever know who we all are. Yeah, yeah. So, I like it. Last Frontier is sweet. Yeah, so I came up with that basically just, like, I felt like this was the last date to do, to be open to doing it how we're doing it. yeah. And you know you can't you look at like American history at one point like every town had like a small beer brewery and it wasn't called Michael or micro brewing it was called just a, a brewery right you went to like your local brewery because you liked the beer that they brewed and at one point prohibition Great Depression or whatever had happened they got wiped out and you saw like bigger guys come in and that was like the standard of beer forever and now you see people with fears of this happening to the cannabis industry as a whole right in the nation. Yeah. You see these smaller guys, even bigger than me, being considered small to these these outfits and organizations, whether it be Monsanto or a guy along those that just wants to come and knock all the other smaller guys in the head right. and make one big company that runs it. So when I thought about it, it wasn't like I was coming out thinking of, how. what am I going to name my, L- my LLC? What am I going to name my company? Yeah. I was just thinking about it, and I was talking to my friend. We were just bullshit, and I said, well, this is like the last frontier. Because it's like you're up north, you have like this northern vibe to it. Nice. And he goes, you should stick with that. So I did. Yeah. I mean, this is relatively, I'm months. This is only months ago. I just changed it. So <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. Hell yeah. But so you, you're, so that's you don't have a store. You're a caregiver. Yes. And everything you grow, you are putting in and putting in stores. Storefronts and, yeah. It, how, how is that going for you? Is it difficult to, or what's, you know, it, what's um, that like? It was definitely like, um, some nerves at first. Yeah. Basically, you, know, you, you feel have, like you have a lot of competition. There's competition, and for some reason, I was I was doing decently well before the the, the COVID nineteen situation came out. But what it ever has sparked the consumption of cannabis yeah. nationwide, statewide, from this whole situation has been very beneficial to people that actually grow a good product. Yeah. And it seems like the stores are even more than ever are now trying to keep up with supply and demand. Everyone got that stimulus check and just wanted to buy weed. Yeah, I think I think that's a part of it. And I also think that that when that whole quarantine situation, I mean, one, if you're stressed yeah, all day about the end of the world, you're puffing tough. Yeah, you know, that's for sure. It's like yeah, it, recession proof. You gotta depression sit, you're proof. sitting home. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Like, so you think you're not going to work? You're sitting home. Yeah, and you double up on weed and you blaze all week. You're like, I kind of like this. I don't want. I don't want to stop doing this. Yeah. So, but I didn't have too much of a problem. I think when I first started dealing with shops. Uh, it was just like um, self doubt. Mm-hmm. Do I grow a good enough product? Do I know what I'm doing? Am I gonna make myself look like an idiot? Yeah, those are the things I was personally thinking about. And then, I guess market industry standard wise, like, do I have what people want? 
like, yeah. do, am I going to bring like the same thing? Five guys are already selling them. Right. Stuff like that. Do, 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 what's in demand? Do I meet those qualities of demand? But I've soon found out that everything, everybody's uh, constantly loving it. So that's awesome. Yeah. You uh, have a, do you have a hot selling item or a strain? No, I, I pulled out a bunch of new stuff, new to me at least. Yeah. And, um, it seems like everybody's loving it. That yeah. Granimals that I brought earlier too. Should we check this out? Yeah, the Granimals I brought seems to be a popular one. Uh, Nana's uh, Nana's cookie box holiday. Yeah, sorry, I was in a rush. <laughs> no, I was cool. in a rush. Yeah, this stuff looks great. That's so, the ice cream cake there. That's the ice cream cake. Yes, we got a little camera here. We can show off your nugs. Th- these are... smell great. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of. I'm kind of I kind of ran through a lot of stuff by the time I was able to get here. This I, stuff looks awesome. Yeah, that's that's like a personal Damn. favorite. That's Hell the, yeah, that looks great. That's the Granimals Grape Ape by Animal Cookies, and when you're chopping that down, it's got like that cereal milk kind of smell to it, which is actually, yeah. believe it or not, a, a very up and coming big thing. People are cereal milk. Cereal milk, and don't tell me that's not a stoner as fuck. Dude, for sure. Yeah, like any- I'm not like a big cereal guy. I'm definitely not a milk guy. But yeah, I mean, but what burnout hasn't just mound down with the munchies yeah. on a big bowl? I can't remember that last time I had cereal. I mean, I haven't. I don't eat dairy anymore. But I mean, man, I used to go pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah, just a big <laughs> like you'd be like out of Friday or something. You know, I just fill that huge bowl up. Yeah, that is kind of like the unofficial stoner munchie oh, food. Oh, for sure, dude. How many bowls of cereal Just can you one eat? big ass bowl. You're getting I still your... go at cereal pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like one big ass bowl. It isn't multiple bowls. It's one big fucking bowl yeah. you're getting. Like your right. mom's Tupperware dish. Yeah, the biggest Yeah, bowl. it's like I'm saying they got the a crack on Friday. Bowl. He's like, fuck yeah, nobody's <laughs> home. Quarter, whole quarter milk in there. Just might as well just take the bag out and just pour milk right in the bag and... Well, damn, or for somebody who doesn't eat cereal a lot, you got the good idea going here. Oh, my God. All right, what do you think, Lee? Should we take a quick break here? Uh, we'll be right back with the Vier Kudo from Last Frontier. Stay with Devere Kudo. Uh, so Kudo, how did you end up getting to Maine uh, to start growing? So basically, I was living back and forth between the East Coast and the West Coast, working on different farms, different girls out west. And a mutual friend of mine had moved up here 2009, 2010, and he was always kind of trying to sell the state to me. And um, at the time, I didn't think it was such a great state as I do now. Um, seemed kind of like out there, yeah. what was going on. The laws were iffy. And um, basically, I just gave it a shot. 2013, I moved up to the state, moved up to around the Bethel, Oxford County, Beth- town of Bethel, Maine. And was doing just smaller, smaller grows in the basement. Just trying to do, the, at the time, that was before you even saw like the rotating medical card slot. So you could find five medical patients and do that whole that whole situation, and I actually at the time was doing like at what it looks like now, like what a typical grow would look like, especially on a larger scale for 
an end consumer being a customer that you're either buying from you or somebody else middlemaning that that product it was it was pretty back it was pretty back age kind of stuff it was a hydroponic flood and flood and drain type setup Mm -hmm. in like a basement under just like i think it was like four lights when i first started went up to six and at the time i was growing this banana kush i remember the banana kush yeah (laughs) yeah so and that seemed to be a very big hit it was dude that show was fire yeah, I mean, I think what I think it, it yielded really well, and it was really good. Mm. Everything extracted really well off of it. And then a friend of mine, um, Brad from uh, Greener Future, he had went out and got a t- the lab results text back from a, a local place. I forget the name of it. Verite Labs, I want to say, was the name of it. I think that sounds. But right. it came back at a thirty percent, and after that, I think it just actually skyrocketed. Whether or not how factual that was, I mean, th- yeah. that I see it, it was an actual test result. I mean, I smoked that stuff. It definitely was powerful. Yeah, definitely, that. definitely yeah. heavy, heavy sleeper. Definitely a good, very potent, and it did very well. But yeah. it, I think at the one point. I, I've had very quite a few people say, "Well, it's like it grew like a weed." Because <laughs> no pun intended, I guess. But I just think a lot of people ended up having it. Yeah, and for good or bad. Yeah, and so I, I I branched off from there. But that was definitely like the first success that I seen in the state. Yeah. So I was there for about two or three years, and I kind of I kind of got bigger and changed as the laws and regulations changed with it. Like as there was, if you're every inch they gave you, I, I was eagerly yeah. taking that inch as well right so i go into bigger grows somewhere i want to say around 2017 to yes i want to say 2017 i tried my first what would be a warehouse grow commercial grow however you want to label it mm-hmm. i don't see it as that because somebody who's very into the, what's going on currently in modern trends, it's relatively small to what you see a lot of people do now. When you're like you're reading and you're watching podcasts, and these there's people with five acre greenhouses. Yeah, um, I consider myself pretty small, but I do my first warehouse attempt 2013. I move up to Augusta area, and I could say looking back now, as embarrassing as it is to me, I there was definitely I definitely didn't know what I was doing, and I definitely took a lot of a lot of swings trying. Yeah. But I think now I've got a good thing going. Been at the same spot for about three years. Yeah, and um, just going heavy with it, tweaking it right now, and definitely learning as I go. It's such a learning process. It's it, I feel like every round is going to be something new, right? Yeah. When I go back and I look at what I do current day, like as of today when I was in my girl, and then when I look at 2017 when I stepped into an empty building, mm-hmm. I've definitely, I mean, well, monetarily-wise, I wish I was doing what I was doing today back then. I would would have been a lot better off, you know, but... <laughs> yeah. uh, I look back and I think, I think it's it's an accomplishment. It's like anything that you do and you build and you're successful at it. You're yeah. growing something, building something. It's that um, sense of accomplishment when you see a final product, regardless. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I've truly enjoyed about growing. Yeah, um, is just seeing that final product. It's a very good. Right. You have to have thick skin to do it. For sure. Yeah, you gotta be you're kinda gonna, willing to like you have to be sacrifice a good problem. Yeah, you're a gonna lot. be a problem solver. Yeah. Like every day there's gonna be problems that are gonna come at you that you're gonna have to figure out. Right. And I think what's kinda cool now is they've made it it being an industry mm-hmm. from a culture like we were saying earlier, is yeah. that you're seeing more components that make the job easier. Right. Um but more testing, more tried and true products. Yeah. You're not going off, well, my homie's homie from Humboldt County or my homie's homies, he used this and yeah. it's good. It's like no, there's actual like you know, tried and true for nutrients, nutrients, pest preventative. Right. I mean, when it comes down to nutrients, I think 
we're we're seeing more and more that it's the same fe- it's the same feather on the same bird when it comes to if you're going to buy synthetic yeah. or bio-nutrients compared to what, whatever growing style you're going to use um, for nutrient medium nutrient delivery medium wise yeah uh, you're it's not going to just be like oh these guys sell this this these guys sell that it's all one and the same that's what I tell anybody especially people who are just growing for themselves they say well oh I'm going to use this bio-nutrient over that bio-nutrient. It's like one. Well, why don't you just read the ingredients yeah. to what's in these nutrients if they even tell you? Because I guarantee a lot of times people go out and they buy this stuff and they double up on the same things. Right. So it's either you had a lack of and now you're doubling up and you're seeing success when you could have just known that you need these certain amount of things in the first place. Yeah. That's why I said earlier is everybody. I think the first thing you want to do is you want to look at your environment. Yeah. No matter what, and what you can achieve for what you have. Right. If you're in a closet. You know, you might not be able to get some things humid or cool down as much, mm-hmm. but you can find a good sweet spot somehow. Like, don't, don't, don't. My one of my first mistakes is I always wanted to do more and more and more without not having to do more. Right. I always wanted to throw up more lights, but then I didn't realize I was going to be messing with my. It was going to be drier than yeah. I wanted to be in the room, or hotter in the room than I wanted to be. Yeah. But if I used less lights, I probably would have got more product, mm-hmm. more weed in the end. Yeah. Because it wouldn't have been as hot. It wouldn't have been as dry. It wouldn't have been as stretched out. Right. So you have to find, no matter what level of growing style you're growing at, you have to find that comfortability of when's enough for everything. Yeah. When, you know, a lot of people were rushing to jump right off rushing. They wanted to run the biggest thing they could. Yeah. With the most lights. And then they, they their learning curve was dealing with being as big as they thought they had to be or needed to be. Mm-hmm. So then they go in and they say, oh, I want to run X amount of lights. Well, then you're going to need... More power for air conditioning. More mm-hmm. now you're either you're not human enough. Everything's connected. Yes, it's yeah. saying. So then you're not human enough. So now you're adding humidity. So there's right. another equipment I had to go out buy to add humidity. Yeah, that's more power consumption. But if you started in your own exactly, size yeah. If you figured it out and said, all right, with this, okay, and then now I know. I yeah. want my humidity at this level. I want my temp at this level. I'm able to control this, and this is what it took to control. Yeah, and that, that's a very, very overlooked factor. Yeah. For sure. So, um, how is uh, how is Maine going coming up uh, on rec about to affect your business at all? I don't know. Yeah. Um, are you going to be able to still sell as a caregiver to rec stores? Or are you just from gonna... what I understand, and I haven't looked at the laws as it changes. They're they're constantly changing. Yeah. And it's, sadly, it's just the way that this country works. Like you said, they give you an inch, you take the inch, and you wait for yeah, the Yeah, I mean, if one, I could sell to a rec store, I'd yeah. sell to a rec store. But there's, I, I've heard that there's a lot more laws that are going into rec plants, which honestly doesn't really make much sense to me because I feel like a medical thing should be more regulated than a recreational thing. But it seems like the recreational side is becoming more regulated but the, but the ugly truth to, to regulation is is the same ugly truth that we do in this whole country is that lobbyism money yeah gets what you want yeah and there's a lot of money to, to, to behind this and for this yeah i know and it's to the victor greed, goes spoils greed you know? scares the shit out of me man it's well to the vanquished is yeah. what it is you know so I would like to sit. I would like to think that yeah, the medical programming can exist, but then hence the whole name of the company that I run is Last Frontier because I, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're on this cusp, right? Uh, whatever, whatever is to happen now, I, I, I'm not the guy to tell you, right? Um, I know there was an amendment to the current rules and changed that to 
feed demand. Mm-hmm. Medical growers are going to be allowed to sell to rec growers. And I know people that were medical going to rec can do a changeover, whether it was a one-time changeover of um, finished product or plants. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen now. And, and now with the whole COVID situation, everything's kind of like, I don't know what they're voting on and what's open for right now. Right. But as it stands right now, the laws are pretty good for caregivers, the best they've ever been. Yeah. So I've I've been able to grow in a proper way, and it's been nice. Yeah. And just figuring it out, dialing it, plugging away. They opened up Canopy Count, which did real good for me. There was a constriction of how many plants you could grow. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because originally you could only grow 36 plants. And it was set up that you could only grow to five, six patients. And some people were, you know, we we're doing this rotating slot where some people were like, all right, well, I'm just going to sign, I'm going to get rid of a patient and bring a new patient. And I'm going to do this five times a day. And so there was a rotating slot. Whoa. Yeah. So basically, I mean, nobody has to do this anymore because now right. we can sell the shops and we can sell as many patients as we wanted. Yeah. But originally it was like, all right, well, I'm going to take this fifth slot, this rotating slot or sixth slot. I, I, forgive me. I honestly forget how many it was. It's been a minute. But so basically it would be like, all right, well, I have their paperwork. And I'm just gonna sign them off. Yeah. They're done. They, but they're gonna come back tomorrow or the next time, and I'm gonna sign them on as a medical patient again. And this was like the answer to over surplus or yeah. selling more product for a caregiver. And there was no you can't do this definition in the law. So it's kind of like if you can't, if you tell me I can't do it, then I can do it. Because right. you can't tell me I can't do it. Because you didn't tell me I can't. Which is very <laughs> classic to the to the early years of this industry, for sure. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm just going to do this till you tell me I can't. And right. when you tell me I can't, I'll, I'll figure out what I can do because you didn't tell me I could. Yeah. And then what, what happens is I think about December of last year, we moved into, you can sell it on limited patients and the storefronts. And I don't know all the exact facts of all the new law chains, but it's definitely changed a lot. Now you could, under 500 square feet, grow x amount of plants that you paid for hmm. so I, that's a that's helped me out a lot yeah and just been practicing new new different new new methods and liking yeah. it yeah that's awesome dude how does your company do with like extracts do you ha- are you having someone turn anything into rosin or yeah or i've been i've for you i've been using joey from top secret shout out to joe he's a phenomenal guy and uh yeah, I think I'm I'm more personally trying to steer away from solvents. Yeah. Not that I have I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm pro against or pro or against any certain way. But what I think when it comes to solvents, there's a lot of room for error and it, and I think it, it, there's a great products made with different gases and solvents. But mm-hmm. I think it has to be done right. And so yeah. I think a lot of people It's definitely a science for yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people do it right. Yeah. And where I just like the I it's washing now, washing hash and pressing it. Yeah, just yeah. Is, there's guys making better hash yeah. with you know five thousand dollar setups and guys with ridiculous setups. Right. And, but there's but guys the yield that, is a little less or, or like what's yeah. I, what you're always gonna have to ask yourself is what is the juice worth the squeeze for yourself for sure. So is there gonna be less of a yield? I'm sure, especially when you're washing it. Certain things don't wash good. Yeah, as it is. So you're not going to get what you want from it. Yeah. Where there's always a kind of guarantee that you're going to get something from a solvent. Yeah. But other than that, I've just been kind of just practicing um, the laws of lean farming, lean growing, which means... What's that? So basically, it's just like you have to ask yourself, how much energy am I putting into one process? Yeah. How can I cut this energy or cost out? 
Like uh, how many times is somebody touching this final product? Like this week here on the table, it's yeah. only ever been touched by somebody three times. Three people? Yeah. No, three times in general. Yeah. Like I touched it once to transplant it. I touched it again to cut it down and dry it. And I touched it one more time to trim it to the final product. It's only ever been touched three times since it's brought to the final, to the final customer. Huh. She said, you have to ask yourself, like, how can I do this more efficiently with less energy and less time? So you're not defoliating like, a, like you're not, um, as they would say, like lollipopping well, them and like touching them in that, in that way? Not, not too much because no. with the plant count, I'm able to do smaller plants. Yeah. So when I had monsters, yeah, I would have to deleaf it constantly. Yeah. Undercut it constantly. Yeah. So I keep it I keep it trained, like keep it touched like that. But if you know what you're doing, like working for your space, like you said, and like playing to your strengths. Yes, you're, that's what I, that's you can exactly. like really dial in what looks like an amazing product. So talk to me a little bit more about lean farming. Okay, so what lean farming is is basically how how efficient you can be at the process of what you're doing something. But what happened is, is this is originated in Japan for the Toyota car manufacturing. And what they were doing when they were building these car, these car manufacturing plants and facilities is they would bring in farm workers, mostly like rice, rice farm workers from the countryside in Japan. And what they had learned is the most efficient way to do things. Japanese in their culture, they have more than one name or for waste. Mm-hmm. Muda being like the, the very popular one from the, what I've learned of it. And there's other ones like waste of byproducts from making a certain product. Yeah. Or time that it, you, you wasted doing something that could have been done quicker. How many steps did it take for mm-hmm. you to do something? How many times was the final product touched? So like when I was saying earlier, from final product, from, from my grow myself, is I'm trying to do it three times. I'm trying to chop it down. I'm trying to hang it. I'm trying to just trim it mm-hmm. and then keep it stored. Because the final product, is no matter what, you always want something that's dry and cured proper. No matter what, what the genetic is, mm-hmm. where, how popular would that be? Yeah. So this, what this originated from is how they, when they were building these, these factories and these plants, how efficiently they can manufacture a car as quick. And this is just common practice that a lot of agricultural workers in Japan had mm-hmm. for, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you how long. Yeah. So I had heard this originally on a podcast from a guy in like Indiana. Yeah. That was a farmer, big, I don't know how big, but decently sized farming. And uh, so basically it's like, it's like how many times... Do you need to do something? How many steps? So do you need to constantly, if you're working somewhere, keep the tools, keep what you need to do there. Don't keep the tools in a tool shed or a tool drawer that you constantly have to walk back and look for. Mm-hmm. So when I, was, when I first started doing this, this is, my first step was I was going to make a dry room, a cure room, so that everything, the final product, no matter what, was at the perfect cure, perfect temp that I wanted something. Mm-hmm. So then you go from there. Now, tool-wise, if you have to go work in the garden or work in the room and you have to walk back and forth to find something, a pair of shears, whatever the tool may be, you're wasting time mm-hmm. walking back and forth to that area or whatnot. Granted, in a grow, the, the space is a lot smaller. But if you're on a farm and you got to walk acres away or certain hundreds of feet away to get one tool that you could bring back and keep there, it's a waste of time. Like, yeah, you'd be wasting, like, what, like, 10 minutes a day, but then the 10 minutes yeah. a day adds up to being so, 70 minutes a So what a, I first did with that is when you walk into my bedroom or a flower room or any room that has plant work, every room has its own designated station there, uh, cleaning for tools, scissors, tools, zip ties, whatever you need in that room. 
in my bedroom, everything to transplant is in that bedroom. Mm -hmm. Everything you need. You're not walking to get cocoa or whatever your growing medium is. You're not walking in there to get it. You're not walking to find a pair of shears. You're not walking to find anything. Smart pots, whatever you're growing in. It is all figured out how to be stored right in that same room. So when I have a transplant, whatever I'm transplanting to my final pot, or what you're trying to ideally for your final pot is, is how many times you got to carry that and how far you got to carry that. Right. So if you can figure out what location of where your final, your final transplant is going to be, keep it as close to where it's finally going to go as possible. Yeah. So when you walk into a flower room, same. I, I have alcohol. I have shears. And everything you need. If you're undercutting plants and you need to cut, you need gloves. There's a station there in the, the room where there's gloves. There's scissors, mm-hmm. and I'll call to clean the scissors. Stuff to clean the scissors. A little garbage, and you go away and you clean it, and you clean it when you put it back. Yeah. You don't have to walk in the room. You don't need to worry about asking somebody, "Hey, where's this?" So this is this is muda. Muda would be waste. Waste. So you're waste. removing. You're wasting waste. time. You're wasting yeah. time. You're yeah. wasting space. Yeah, you're storing something somewhere where it's not practically needed. Or even, um, like you were saying, wasting if you have too many lights, or if you have too much yes, water, exactly. or you are uh, you constantly going to work on the same plant? Yeah, over and over again, right. you're wasting time. You need to figure out how many times you have to train that plant. Yeah, because the plant, that's it, it, overall what how everything works mm-hmm. is that that move of efficiency. Like I said again, like you were saying, when you go bigger as a grow. Yeah, that's a waste because again, is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, right. if I want to run X amount of lights, yeah, that looks cool, maybe. But how much power did it go in to produce that final product? Right. When you could have got more off less energy consumption and more space, more risk for things to go wrong. Yes. So that's muda. Right. You're wasting this. Yeah. You're wasting all this energy to grow something that you could have grown with the same less energy, and understanding more of the efficiency. And I'm sure I'm no nowhere near the first person to do this, yeah, or grower to even think of this. But the first thing when I started reading more into this style was I built a cure room or a dry room. Yeah. So basically, it was a room that was climate controlled, heavily insulated, and I keep it at sixty and sixty, sixty percent humidity, and sixty, 60 degrees. degrees. And the weed is dried there, trimmed there, and stored there. Like I don't tote it. I don't let any gases Curing build has up. So much to yeah. do with the final product. Yeah. So you have to ask yourself, like, what does the what does the consumer want? Yeah. Now, granted, there's always going to be different genetics, different cultivars that somebody's going to want. There's hype to it, or it's a classic favorite, like Cam Dog's a favorite, or this something new came out and it's got a lot of hype. So mm-hmm. there, when you, it's hard to, it's not impossible, but it's harder to gauge what they're going to want, especially when you're trying to plan out a year's worth of growing and yeah. harvest. Because you only got so many harvests a year per right. row. Yeah. So it's hard to know. How do you decide? How do I decide? Do you go by strain or how it, how it, how it yields for you? Or what, do you, what makes you pick? I mean, I definitely like, go for a yield, but I don't go for like the biggest yielder. Yeah. Like again, it goes like I have to make it, the, I have to make it somewhat worth it. Right. I kind of do a mix of what's sold the best to what me as still the, cons- the connoisseur in me would like to do. Yeah. And I'm always changing. Yeah. I'm always finding new stuff that I like. And, they, and, and for that, I've taken losses and I've taken gains. Yeah. Where a lot of people get comfortable to find a few things that they run, and that makes them a good grower because it can guarantee that final product to be good. Yeah. Whereas, I just can't do it. I can't grow the same thing over and over again. I go crazy. Yeah. I feel in, inside of myself, and that's not a shout out to anybody else. I just don't feel like I'm a good enough. It's just, I'm not yeah. testing myself. So you're constantly switching out str- strains. Constantly. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Nice. I can't tell you that I grow the same strain I did last year. 
Wow. Yeah. Crazy. That's awesome, though. So, so are, mean, you, are more, you popping seeds? Seeds, buying different cuts. I know buying from cuts, a clean source. Yeah. Um, that can get risky, right? Buying cuts from people? Yeah. You know, over the years, I've accumulated a few people that I know. Yeah. Just from that, they're growing yeah. their ethics and their growing style and their work ethic that I can, I can guarantee. Yeah. But it's to, to buy from a stranger, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Like, know your source. For sure. For, for everything. Yes, for, for everything, everything. But yes. <laughs> but there, I want to always say that out of all the growers I've met, and that's not, not the shout out, there's probably two people Yeah, I would buy cuts from and feel reassured. Nice. Because it's a headache. Yeah. And uh, th- yeah, that's great. So you have, like, you feel like there's like a community behind that where people are trust, like, people up here, you know, can trust each other and. Build a community where totally. you can share these cuts uh, totally, and these, yes. like, you know, trusted paths and networks. Well, I networks think what it is that is that you, you came to a time in the industry, maybe when it was still a culture or a scene, where there was uh, less likelihood that people were going to hand over something to you or even sell something to you because it was, like, their niche corner in the market. Mm-hmm. They had this one. You know, either less people had it or their market that they're they selling to, the people that are buying from them, they could get it from there. So it was kind of like you weren't going to see somebody sell it. But I think now what you're opening up to is just, just so much. Yeah. Somebody can buy seeds and end up with a better genetic or cut than you. Yeah. So I think there's almost it's almost flipped to where you want if you're especially in the business of selling these cuts that you want something that's kind of high that's kind of hyped it's kind of hot and it's constantly moving on. Yeah. But that's when it comes to when buying cuts and, and worrying about clean stuff like that. It's you. It's almost like. I know you. I know you can get caught up wanting to grow something you think everybody wants. Right. But if it's going to come with bugs or mold, <laughs> like just don't do it, man. Yeah. Like grow something that might not be as hot, but it's going to yeah. be a better product. So what to you is like the hottest strain right now? Man, I don't is know. run still big? Yeah, I dude, I don't <laughs> know. Is it's it's changing so much? I know it's crazy. Um, um, it is. It's. I can't keep up with it. Some at sometimes. No, I know a lot of the breath. Co- the the OG Kush breath crosses yeah. are always been popular. No breath. Yeah, breath. I saw one the other. I saw one the other day when I was actually looking for seeds. It was called Dirty Bananas. <laughs> it was like banana. It was like something like it was like Honey Bananas by OG Kush breath or Grateful Breath or something. Yeah. But no, it's 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 such a it's such a big and ongoing market that a lot of breeders themselves won't even resell the same thing mm. just to keep that. Desire, yeah. right? Because if not, if you could buy the same thing constantly, you're never gonna want it. Yeah, I think that like having variety. Is yeah. So now it's what like gets well, people into I'm, the stores, yeah. right? I'm gonna like, make this something something sour apple, and I'm only gonna sell these seeds it, and then I'm throwing it away. I'm killing it. So like, yeah. if you buy these seeds, you're gonna be the guy that has this, right? So if it's a yeah, and if you're one, making a limited amount of the seeds, then only limited amount of people have the strain. Yeah, so there's a desire to it. Yeah, which is like that's what it comes down to when you're buying these cuts. Maybe somebody wanted to sold you this cut five years ago. Yeah, three years ago. Yeah, but now it's like if you can get them, if you can get it. Is there anything for, you're after? Um, that you're like, damn, I really wish I could grow this one strain. No. You've got some pretty fire strains. What do you got here? This is the ice cream cake. Ice cream cake. That's lava cake. And this is granimals. And I got this. I bought these actually as cuts from uh, Jeff at Accession Farms. Shout out to Jeff. Jeff's a great grower. And I, he can guarantee a clean product, clean cuts. Yeah. And I've known him pretty well for, for years now. So that all came from him, actually, sadly. Well, not sadly, <laughs> but I can't say that I went out and feed on of those myself. No. No, that's great, though. I mean, yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. 
Cool. Well, uh, I honestly, I think that was like an, uh, a great conversation with you. And uh, dude, thanks for coming in. Um, everybody that comes on the show gets a, a gift. So okay. I have something for you. Well, I like gifts. So you get um, a VHS <laughs> copy of E.T., the extraterrestrial. Um, it's a Steven Spielberg film. It says on the top, the it. story that touched the world. Well, good. That's for you, Kudo. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for coming in and hanging out and chatting with us here on Top Tree State. Um, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody. I'm going to get blazed and feel like E.T. <laughs> while watching E.T. <laughs> My second favorite Spielberg flick. Is it? No. <laughs> <laughs>